0: Mr. Smith Talks Triathlon, episode 36, Training and Recovery Nutrition. Mr. Smith Talks Triathlon, practical triathlon advice for everyday athletes. Whether you're a 96 Toyota Surf or a 2019 Ferrari, You've got to fuel the machine.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. You've got both of those, have you?
0: One. <laughs> oh, which one? Yeah, we'll leave that to others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we all know. Yeah, you've seen it. I wouldn't put the Ferrari on the uh, on the foot, you know, on the roadside. <laughs> Here we go again. Nice yes, to see you. You're Doug Stark. I am indeed. I'm the uh,
1: the voice that fills in the gaps. I'm Gerard Smith, the one that talks too much the rest of the time perfect perfect no no uncomfortable silences here (laughs) and we're here to give you lots of practical triathlon advice things that you can actually do something with and hopefully do
0: Yep. and we mentioned it in the title and I tried to allude to it with an appalling car example but whoever you are whether you're elite or whether you're just a a recreational triathlete that nutrition both you know for training and recovery are absolutely Mm. crucial yeah and
1: and it's a hugely talked about debated lots of different opinions everything else so we'll get into some of those shortly
0: yeah superb but before that uh episode 35 we talked about training zones and just just a bit of a summary of that gerard because it is it's it's one of those subjects that's a bit like oh training zones a bit scientific it's a bit do i really need to worry about that
1: yeah and look it can be um we probably got a bit bit techie at times and the 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 training zones are really there so that we've got a, a language between me, the people I'm coaching, everyone in the squad, that we can talk about levels of effort or intensity in the same way. yeah, And we can un- understand it together. And the, the zones, the intensities that we come up with are specific to the training plans and approach that I take. So it's really important to remember, if you're using someone else's training plan, then you need to be figuring out how their zones are arranged to suit with that
0: and knowing the zones means you really you're getting the most out of your training because it's, mm. it can't be all hard out it's got to be some moderate some sort of you know active recovery or whatever um, and, and i think and it's like,
1: like likewise then uh, it can't be all just all cruisy because then you're not going to maximize your potential exactly and different ways to to measure that yeah so we talked about them you can go back and listen about um, if you've got no devices you can do it just by your perceptions of effort and we've got a description that goes with each level you can do it by heart rate, you can do it by pace for running, power for, for cycling. Um one thing about heart rate I just forgot to mention last time. If you have a watch with a heart rate monitor built into the watch, it's reading it off your wrist, in general they're pretty hopeless. It's it's my experience with them. There goes um, that sponsorship deal. Yeah, again, <laughs> damn it. Foot out of mouth, yeah. Um, you just—it's just not reliable data from what I see. So, um, if you want to make the most of heart rate, you really need to be wearing the chest strap. Or there are there are other alternatives, but um, yeah, chest strap is just the simple, time tested, proven way.
0: Yep. Superb. Um, and my favourite subject.
1: You? Me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about me I, for I th- a while. I thought this was good to throw in here because we, a few episodes ago, thirty-one, we talked about why you want a power meter, and. You've got me really selling it from the the point of view of precision of your training and racing. But then you got yours, Doug, and you went out for uh, your first ride outdoors with it, and uh, a bit bamboozled by what was going on in times. (laughs) Bamboozled. Tell tell us about that.
0: Gee, I might not be doing another episode with you. (laughs) Uh, It was really interesting. I've been doing power-based training on a smart trainer Mm. um, since about October of last year. Had not been out in the wild bar one road ride on my road bike and that was without power that was yeah. just it was a nice day and uh, i think you'd stuck it in my schedule so yeah last weekend was my first uh ride out on the road with a power meter and i've got the cr the stages crank power mm-hmm. meter um so it's attached to my garmin so off i went and yeah there what were a few f- surprises what are these numbers doing yeah, so I, uh, there's all sorts of options, as you can imagine, from a what you get to see on your on your Garmin. I went for the three-second average of mm-hmm. my power because um, you've talked about the immediacy of information and, and having it there and being able to, I guess, respond or, or take it all in and do, do what you need to do in relation to what it's telling you. Yeah, That didn't really work for me. Mm. Um,
1: and, and, and that's because you saw the numbers just fluctuating, jumping around so much?
0: Yeah, so you know you're on a trainer mm, yeah it is it is what it is so controlled so controlled so easy and even if you're in erg mode you you need to think even less yeah because the the machete that the the smart trainer makes the adjustments so that you're right in the right power zone
1: so that's the smart trainer you're almost the dumb rider you just have to push the legs and exactly. it does everything else
0: and no surprise to anybody guess what there's different road surfaces <laughs> mm. there's hills let alone hills, there's undulations, there's corners, there's curves to go around, there's yeah. there's cars to avoid and there's wind. So there's all of these things that you don't get on a trainer and guess what? Every single time one of those factors or those those outside variables comes into play, your power changes. Mm. So the three second thing was going up and down like you wouldn't, you know like so, you wouldn't so believe.
1: So so it is actually very precise and immediate, but it's just so precise and immediate that it's going all over the place and it's it, it, it you don't know
0: what's going on yeah so it's accurate but it's all over the place yeah. and i was looking at it a lot and then reacting to it a lot yeah which meant it went up and down even more <laughs> um so yeah quite interesting uh i'm gonna have a crack at 10 second average mm-hmm. so i think that'll uh that'll work quite nicely um and yeah so the experience was was an interesting one we've got some really good stats yeah and it about just trying to there was a lot of dead time as well yeah just yeah. gliding downhill or or going off letting off the power going around a corner um so I'm really going to work on keeping power through the pedals even if it's not at the right zone at least it's power through the pedals and also yeah downhill when the wind's behind you make the most of it rather than sort of cruise <laughs> yeah
1: so that, that's really interesting two things that just about everyone else out there will experience but they may not or have going on may not be aware of it because they don't have this data in front of them telling them so yeah like you said the the times when you just ease off the pedals and you just roll along for five seconds or so well actually that comes a bit of a cost because the effort to re-accelerate takes more energy than just keeping you going if you mm. had been pedaling so that, that was one of the the very first things that stood out and you've you're aware of that you've cottoned onto it but that that consistency of effort as much as you can now obviously when you're training you're going to have intersections you come to cars on the road those kind of things so you you can't be perfect all of the time but where there is a stretch of uninterrupted road it's fantastic to practice because that's exactly how you want to be doing it on race day just consistent and smooth all the way through
0: yep so that's, there's a few things we're going to work on. So we may even talk about it. Hey, I'm not the uh, an elite athlete, but I'm an example. And it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Because yeah. one of the other things I'm going to do is not look at the data as often. Yeah. Um, I got a bit obsessed with it. You know, it was changing every three seconds. So I was looking at it every three seconds. Yeah. We've talked about zones and way to measure zones. So I'm going to work on how I feel when I'm putting through that power. Perfect. And maybe try and not look... At the data for a couple of minutes and then maybe go back later and say how was it there yeah um because you, you play yeah.
1: guess the power game exactly yeah. what great way to pass the time on those long rides
0: yeah so hey I, i've got all the science but i may step away from the science a bit to try and but, just that, look, feel it
1: that, that is so important because the idea with having this data is it's not to micromanage every moment it's to learn from it and feel how you will do it yourself over time. Yep. It's not the machine making you do it like on the smart trainer. It's you learning how to do it in the real world. Okay. Well, watch, this, watch this space. Yes.
0: So after talking about myself, which is my, <laughs> it might actually be my second favorite thing because we're now going to talk about f- sort of food. All right. Is food nutrition? Yeah. Same subject? F- f-
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So training and recovery nutrition. Now, where this is coming from is that often when I'm having these kind of discussions with people, I get a question like, what should I have for breakfast? And that's actually not quite the right question. What we want to do is put a meal, or any time you're eating, into context with your training. So not what should I have for breakfast, what should I have for breakfast on a recovery day versus what should I have for breakfast um, after a hard training session. Those kind of things were very, very different. So we'll talk about that. The If you've been around for a while, the old school recommendations were carb, 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 carb up. You need to eat more carbs. Carbs for performance. And that really came out of, it was probably around the 70s, I'm guessing, of the um, sports science and elite training programs. Because these people were training a lot, training hard a lot. So they were needing to eat a lot. To support that Mm -hmm. we're not quite in the league league of them so and since then there have been more recently low carb high fat has become a very popular topic ketogenic diets those kind of things which is the other end of the scale yeah so and and and, yeah you, you can find all of that on the internet far too much advice everywhere so what we're trying to do is give you some ideas here that are practical for you to do without wildly changing what you're eating when you're eating the turning your life inside out to make it happen yeah it's probably some small tweaks to how you're going about things
0: yeah and we always talk about the balance because we mm. can't you know we're not gonna have someone knocking on the door giving you here's what you're gonna eat today yeah based on what you're doing and it's all you know listed you know we've got families we've got yeah jobs that there's morning teas at jobs. For someone's birthday, you, you can't say no to a slice of cake.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe not every time. Um, but but also, we're both aware that you sit down at the dinner table with kids at night, and you don't want to be the crazy guy who is eating some weird, different meal and obsessing about that, because that's just going to rub off into kids, and that's not a good thing for them either. Yeah. You're part of the family. You want to be, be integrated with that.
0: So you talk about the right thing to eat. mm you know breakfast if it's on a rest day versus on a training day you know did what sort of some can you run us through some scenarios that
1: well doug let's talk about you
0: again yeah let's let's. okay so a really
1: good example swim squad early morning training and it's normally got some a good dose of intensity in it sound familiar it does Yeah. yeah so that just if if I don't mind put I don't mind putting you on the spot. Do you um, asking you? Do you eat anything in the morning before you go to swim squad?
0: I do. I have about half a banana. Okay. On the way. Fabulous. In the, in the car. Yep. Um, I previously had found that I ran out of steam during during the session if I didn't have something to eat. Now I know half a banana doesn't sound like a lot, but mm. you're going to tell me some reason why it does work. Bingo. Talk about you, you putting got me it. on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot.
1: <laughs> and look, before I get into that, just quickly, um, I've learnt recently a lot of this detail from Stacey Sims. If anyone hasn't heard of her, go and look her up. She's written a book specifically about uh, women in sport and on, on a range of subjects. We won't get into that, but there's her, there's a couple of other people who have really influenced how I think about this. So... The idea with early morning training, with which has got intensity in it, is that you might not have eaten anything since what six, seven, eight o'clock the night before. Seven o'clock, probably. Yeah, you've been fasting since that time. You've been sleeping. You then go and get up.
0: Is fasting the same as trying not to eat? (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs)
1: Ideally, that happens when you're sleeping. Yeah. So you're going to get up early in the morning. The uh, the body's going to wake up, and then you're going to go hammer it. Okay. So you need to give the body a little bit of priming so that it can be at its best during that session. But something to really just kickstart the day. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a bit on the sciencey side, which I can't claim to fully understand, but a lot of people have probably heard about um, cortisol. It's the stress hormone in the body. And that when you wake up in the morning, your cortisol is at the highest point of the day. And that's part of waking your body up to get you get you going for the day. So you wake up, being, um not having eaten or drinking drinking there we go <laughs> for, for several for many hours and your body is already in a stressed state so if you then go and hammer it with more stress and training you are just digging that stress hole even deeper gotcha and it's going to take even more to recover from it so that's why just something little to eat in the morning is brilliant it kind of gives you a bit of spark to start the mm-hmm. to fuel the training just a little bit um, start the engine and the, the optimum or the ultimate, according to Stacey, is a bit of carbohydrate. That's your half banana and a bit of protein. Be that a few almonds. Some people will make up a protein shake for after training. So a few sips of that um, because the protein works to bring the cortisol down. Gotcha. The carbohydrate gives you kind of that little bit of spark to start the engine, get you going for the
0: session. So I will add some almonds. Mm and try and see how i feel yeah
1: yeah and and look it might not be a really noticeable difference to how you feel but doing that you know that you are already kickstarting your recovery yeah. before you go and throw even more stress at the body okay cool so then after swimming what happens then for you
0: home breakfast do you want to know what i have for breakfast <laughs> yeah let's crikey i feel under the spotlight. Uh, I usually have uh, a wheat bick. Mm-hmm. So, wheat bick's with some fruit. Yep. Um, and that's kind of it, really. It might be peaches. It might be. It's always the other half of the banana. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, depending what's, a, what, what's around, okay. uh, I'm going to be honest. I, there's not a conscious, I must have this in the house for, for sure. after swimming. For sure. Um, yeah, so that's me.
1: Okay. So, just. We haven't weighed and measured or anything, but just from what you're saying, some fruit, some A-wheat-bix, anything else with it, yoghurt or milk? Just milk. milk. Okay. So my guess is that that's probably a little bit on the small side for the energy that you're burning, okay? Because if you are, if you were not training, you'd probably have that same breakfast. Correct. But you've already gone and burned several hundred calories more as well, so that's the time straight after your training, is to fuel up, get more fuel in the tank at that stage.
0: Are you saying I should eat more? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah.
1: and yeah, More of the right stuff. That, that's yeah, it, yeah. yeah. And what we're gonna do is put more of your food around your training, and a little bit less of it at other times.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So again, carbohydrate and protein, those are the main things. When you've been working hard, give the body those straight away and uh they're going to it's going to refuel itself do what it needs to do and go sweet I'm set for the day
0: okay so some days there's a lunchtime run yeah sort of a lower intensity you know moderate yep now I I would I will confess I sometimes eat you know an hour before that mm-hmm. depending what's going on at work sometimes I don't eat until afterwards yep I kind of think that I I don't run out of steam yeah. because it's at moderate effort. Um, at a minimum, if I wasn't going to eat my lunch beforehand and I tend to take in a, a salad, mm-hmm. um, great. I might have a bit of fruit or something just to, to give me something in the belly.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, if you're doing a lower intensity run at that stage, then you really don't need to be fueling that up yeah. with with putting carbohydrate or any other fuel in to give you performance there because it's lower intensity a lunchtime session it's not going to be a big one so at that stage whether you eat your lunch before or after it really doesn't matter yep it's it's not draining it's not stressing the body a lot um and it's not burning a lot of energy so
0: a, qu- a question for you yeah because of my job mm-hmm. i do have a number of coffee meetings often right. in yeah. the morning so i might be doing that run having had two maybe three coffees
1: well the heart rate will be up you'll be going
0: yeah well that's my question you know what's the view on caffeine
1: um it's caffeine helps performance there's there's plenty of evidence around there about that so yeah it's just part of the the daily ritual it's yeah totally fine okay yeah if you're having eight or ten a day we might be having a different discussion in the hospital
0: i'll come to you on that yeah yeah um so move so, what about after? So afterwards, you said if it's moderate, it doesn't really matter whether it's before or after. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and that lunch time, whether you're training or not, sorry. Even if you're doing a, a short, moderate run, it's low intensity. You don't need to be stocking up massively on fuel. It's not going to burn a lot of energy. So that lunchtime is the perfect opportunity to get heaps and heaps of veggies in, because we're thinking about health at that stage. Yeah. We're not fueling training. We're simply thinking about health. Tons of veggies, some protein, some fats in there. You talked about a salad. Um, var- yep. so variations. Do you, want
0: me, to, do you want me to run you through it and you can yeah. d- oh,
1: sort of... I, no, I, I'm not going to critique it, but in, anything that is chock-full of veggies is going to be fantastic.
0: Yeah, so I'm sort of, you know, cherry tomatoes, cucumber. Um, if I've got some some nuts, I might sprinkle some of those in there. Yep. Great. A little bit of feta cheese just to g- give it some flavour. I tend to do a boil, hard-boiled egg as well. Yep. Um, and again it's kind of whatever else might be floating around uh in the fridge yeah so i don't Fantastic. tend to have i don't tend to have oh if the hey there might have been a bit of chicken left over from a rotisserie chicken at the weekend yep. but usually no meat yep um look yeah. that,
1: that that's all good you've got tons of veggies you've got you're not stacking it up full of really dense carbohydrates like bread and rice and pasta because mm. you don't need those at that stage you're not fueling that that training session you've got Good protein, you've got fats in there, fantastic. Okay, cool. Top of the class, Doug.
0: Yeah, you'd think I'd already thought about the answer before we got here.
1: <laughs> and, and look, one of the things is just thinking back to having made sure you've fueled well after that morning session, that, that, those intense morning sessions particularly, Yeah. then that sets you up for the rest of the day. You don't need a huge lunch chocker full of energy.
0: Yeah, and that's a takeaway for me straight away is a larger breakfast would, ma- would make those lunchtime runs yeah that makes sense to me yeah um because yeah there is the odd occasion where you're like oh i really could have should have eaten more yeah when you go out for that run yeah um what about evening stuff yeah you know, i've got a few trainer sessions in my uh in yeah. my schedule um there is squad run as well and interesting that's on a tuesday mm. having it. swum in the morning yeah so qu- really quite important to okay to be ready to go
1: you you got it exactly so we've done the done the swim, we've had lunch, which is kind of a, a lower energy lunch. It's more about really health of your body. It's not about performance at that stage. So later in the day, we want you to perform again. We want you to have plenty of zing. So that's the stage where you might want to have a little snack before you go out for jump on the trainer before you hit the, the harder squad runs. Again, we're talking about intensity here. If you were just doing, again, a 30 minute easy run or something like that, not so important at that stage.
0: Yep. So on the days where we have the squad run, mm. I would probably have a, another bit of fruit in, in my bag. Yep. Um, but sometimes I might go for a like an M's bar or something like that. Yep. Um, that's kind of a, there's, there's no other deep down thought process around what I should have before I go.
1: Yeah, look, no, don't overthink it and don't get paranoid about the types of food. Obviously, the, I say the fresher, the, the more real the ingredients are the better for overall health. Yeah. Um, but but don't please don't get paranoid about it and oh I cannot have that M's bar. It's you're having plenty of fruit and veg there the rest of the day. Yeah. No problem at all to have something like that. So perfect. You've got a bit of fuel in the belly, um, to give you a bit of spark for that higher intensity training again.
0: Cool. And
1: then post that session, you come home, you have dinner.
0: And I just have whatever the family was having. Yep. And whatever's left over. Um, not whatever's left over from them, <laughs> <laughs> whatever they've left. God, guilty as charged. Uh, what? Yeah, just a, I don't know. A normal family meal for want of a better description. Yeah. You know, as you alluded to earlier, I'm not about to say you guys eat that. I'm having rice with tuna and some diced cucumber. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And guess what? I'm gonna spice it up with some salt and pepper. That's that's not me. Yep. That's not me great yeah
1: so perfect and you might want to think about again those training days with the the bigger evening or the the more intensity there then maybe just the size of that meal making sure you've refueled well after that meal set you up for a good sleep and you're not waking up starving or in a in an extra stress state the next morning
0: yeah so the other aspect sort of the final aspect is those weekend efforts Mm. where perhaps there's a long ride um, i know we're not doing them yet but when you start getting up to three four hours yeah um from a breakfast perspective so the evening before yep maybe i don't know what you want to talk about i i i'd try to have something healthy yeah you know it's not going to be fish and chips like the the kids are having but i'll have maybe poached eggs on toast and 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 some fruit yep. um and then in the morning i used to i used to go with porridge but not that often mm-hmm and it didn't agree with me. Right. Um, So what I've actually done the last few times is toast with peanut butter and banana. Yep. What do you say to that?
1: (laughs) Okay, look, that's perfectly normal food. What I would say is it's probably a little bit low on the protein because peanut butter um, is more about fat than protein that you get in there. It's not a a couple of bits of toast with peanut butter isn't going to give you a good serve of protein. So what I would try and do is work in more protein to that, be it a hard-boiled egg or two on the side, omelette. Yeah, yep, absolutely.
0: So and an omelette's got a. I know we we, you recommended that a while ago for uh, for some of the longer endurance rides, Mm. but I suppose as we've talked about, you're really just giving yourself enough. To get going because on those longer rides you're going to be fueling yourself on the bike as well Yeah.
1: yeah. So so think about some of the weekend rides that we do in the squad will be tough, we will be out there to hit the hills and hit them hard so having a higher carbohydrate breakfast to fuel you for that is going to be good whereas other days when we're just going long lower intensity, you don't need the, the high octane fuel you don't need all the carbohydrate for that you might start with just a simple omelette then the body is going to be um, in a bit more of a fat burning mode when you start that low intensity training yeah. and then as you go through it yes you will have some carbohydrate in it we're not trying to do starvation we're not trying to not fuel ourselves but you're starting in a fat burning state you're, you're letting your body start like that and then you introduce food as we're going through gotcha
0: so what I'm taking away is the I should stop saying takeaway. because it's making <laughs> me hungry you know real food yep and at the right time. Yeah. And and yeah, I've I've already got some things that I'm gonna use to to work on.
1: Yeah, because what we wanna do is we wanna make sure those, those harder training sessions is that you can perform as well as you can in them. Okay, so being fueled up for that the, be it the morning or the evening, the, the little snack before you start, really, really good. So you can just get the most out of those sessions, build your performance in those sessions. Yeah.
0: And no matter who you are, it's the one thing you can do like a pro. Yeah, totally. Fuel the machine. Yeah. Eat the right stuff at the right time. Yeah.
1: And cool. then after you've done those hard, demanding sessions, refuel at that point, then you've, you've taken care of your training and fueling, then you're into health mode for the rest of the day. You're thinking, hey, what's the best stuff for my body? Forgetting about training, I want to be a healthy human being, tons of fruit and veggies, um, protein, fats, all of those good, whole,
0: real foods. Okay. Now, for the for the minority out there who are not now going to model themselves on my diet, <laughs> where where can you get more information? Don't say the internet. Okay, there's this magical thing up in the clouds. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, look, there is so much inflation. A few names that I'll give you to go and listen to podcasts of, um, do some research, read their articles because I really rate them. First of all, Stacy Sims. Okay, she's written the book Raw, which is covers everything. Basically, her catchphrase is that women are not small men, and that all of the sports science has been developed around men. Women need very, very different things. There's a lot in common, but there's a lot of different things as well. So, read, listen to Stacy a lot. There is a guy over in the US, Matt Dixon. He is the coach of Purple Patch Coaching, um, Meredith Kessler and various other pros. And and I really, really like what he talks about. It's just so practical. Mm -hmm. It's it's not trying to be extreme in diets and approaches. It's really practical for anyone to do. And then I've mentioned before, Matt Fitzgerald, he's written a number of books around nutrition and training and various other things. So those are three people who I rate what they have to say and I rate how they say it. They they deliver it really well. So do do some more research on those people.
0: Yeah, and I think as a amateur participant, there's some really good stuff you can find out and you can give it a go. Don't make it complicated. Mm. Stick mm. with the you know real food, as Gerard says. Look, look. Um,
1: if there's people out there looking for that one percent difference, and they might need they might choose to go down a bit of a different path. But us mere mortals. We're just trying to do the best that we can in normal life, so yeah, don't overthink it. Yeah,
0: and like I'm going to do, if something's not well, I'm I'm not going to say something's not working, but I'm going to make a couple of tweaks. Whether it's just some of the almonds along with the banana, um, and also uh, yeah, a little bit more protein perhaps for that that early morning one before before a long a long ride. And it's easy done. You know that stuff exists in the pantry and in the fridge already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a case of having to find some crazy shop to. To pick it up, so you got it, yeah,
1: fantastic. All right, so, so quick summary, all right, just quickly, like, like we touched on before, really focus your fueling on your training, okay? Fuel for, for performance when you need it, fuel for recovery afterwards, and then the rest of the time in day to day life, you really think about eating for health, giving yourself all those vitamins and minerals and good stuff for your body to thrive on. Now, um. I talked about eating more after training and less at other times now just to throw in a really broad stereotype um, if we think about blokes blokes are fantastic at the more 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 beer more pies more more <laughs> everything okay um, but not so good about cutting things out at other times so if you're a bloke just keep that in mind it's not just a license to eat tons all the time um, whereas women um, a lot of women have grown up in a culture of dieting and body image, mm. so they are used to cutting things out and depriving themselves, but not so good about adding it in. So for the, for the women out there, really think about you may need to work hard on the adding in more fuel around your training.
0: Yeah, Can I just say that that sweeping stereotype that uh, Jared has just made is certainly not my opinion or the opinion of the <laughs> producer of this podcast.
1: Just, disclaimer, yeah. y- you will not get sued.
0: Yeah, terms and conditions may apply. <laughs> yeah.
1: And look, just to finish with is that we are not nutritionists. This is from experience from my learnings of the people I'm coaching, of myself and the experts out there that I have, uh, I've learnt from. So if you have a specific dietary need or want to work in more detail on these things, please go and see a uh, a proper nutritionist, someone who is qualified in this area.
0: Yeah, and I think on a serious note, if you do have a a medical condition, yeah. you can still do triathlons, but you have a medical condition that requires particular, you know, addressing of food particularly, then yeah, go and see a professional. You know, we, we are not that.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, bingo. Superb. All right, hopefully, that's something good, useful to take away. Let's see what happens. Food for thought you'll be firing at Swim Squad. Cheers. Thanks, Doug.